You're listening to The Idea Fountain, life-changing conversations. I'm Julie Pilot, and today our guest is my meditation coach and author, Light Watkins. When I first started The Idea Fountain and vowed to interview someone who had changed my life every single month, I thought it would only last one season. I mean, how many people could really change your life? Now, 41 episodes in, I can confidently say a lot. Changing my life didn't necessarily have to be pushing me out of the way of a speeding truck or leading me to a million dollars. That life-changing moment could have been from something you did or something you said that just made me think differently. Very in line with that theory is Light's new book, Knowing Where to Look, 108 Daily Doses of Inspiration. It's dropping on May 25th. May 25th, also my dad's birthday. Guess what he's getting? (laughs) You should too. Um, Because who doesn't need a little push, insight, or wisdom that could change your life? Signing up for a weekend course in TM nine years ago pretty much changed everything for me. Before we get into that, thanks as always for following at the Idea Fountain on IG, checking out episodes on every podcasting platform and my website, juliepilot.co. And also thanks for helping me spread the word. I-E-E-F-O-U-N-E-A-I-N. This is the Idea Fountain, life-changing conversations. Julie Pilot, and today we have my meditation coach of nine years. Can you believe that? Almost a decade. Wow. Light Watkins. We're going to be talking about his new book, Knowing Where to Look, 108 Daily Doses of Inspiration. And uh, we were, before we started, just talking about how with the idea fountain, I always do a fireside chat uh, with somebody that has changed my life. First, let's bring um, the people that are here into the room. Go ahead, unmute yourself, and everybody just go ahead and say hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it's a group. There doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity for people to chime in at the end with Q&A with light. But it's funny, light. I, I don't feel guilty because I know you and we're close, but I almost feel like I should feel guilty. Because if we were to say the idea fountain, every single episode is about life-changing conversations, I would genuinely put you up in my top five with everything that meditation has done for me. But now I've done about 40 episodes and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's interesting. I think there's two reasons we haven't done an interview yet. One, I don't know if I am confident in my abilities to talk about my personal meditation practice and connection to it without feeling like I'm selling something. You know what I mean? Or trying to push on others, right? It's very personal. And I I have so many friends that personally I've talked to about it and there's that element of trust. And I probably have more friends than fingers that have come to you to learn meditation. But then the other thing is you just became a nomad or what's known as a one bagger. Uh, and, um, you haven't been in LA as much in the last couple of years as you would, but I'm, I'm so excited that we're having the conversation now. Welcome. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. But why were you feeling guilty? I didn't get that connection because. What? I just, I didn't feel like, you know how sometimes people will have one wellness moment or some aha, and then they feel like they go and they tell everybody, this is what you have to do. Right. Uh, okay. And I didn't you feel, feel guilty feel, oh, I, I didn't really want to feel preachy, but I mean, at the same time, right. I think that this is a moment in life where things have really shifted. And what, what's that quote? When the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is the moment where we're supposed to have this conversation. And I actually, when it comes to meditation, when I announced that you were coming on the episode, many, many, many people came to me and said things like, wow, after the pandemic, this is what I think I need more than ever. Mm. And also, I'm curious, I didn't have the right answer to this. Um, I have some friends in town who happen to be from Reno, and, and they wanted to do it. And they said, we just don't know, like certified coaches out there. Have you transitioned? I mean, like we did our training in person, but I imagine with everything, are you now teaching meditation on Zoom too? Or initiating, no. you're not only in person. In okay, tell me more. <laughs> no, I haven't taught. I literally had it. My last course was like March of 2020, my last in-person course. And uh, and then after everything shut down, I haven't I haven't taught. I haven't taught anyone since then. So it's just you know it doesn't lend itself to online experiences and i would consider myself to be more of a sort of a higher end or higher level teacher meditation mm -hmm. teacher so i don't do guided experiences I, as you know i teach people how to meditate in a way that allows you to be self-sufficient so you can say i've been doing this every day for nine years and i just did it before the call like most people aren't having that, that relationship with meditation. Most people's relationship with meditation is I, I, I do it when I have time to do it. And, you know, that usually translates to maybe a couple times a week, you know, and, or just doing it with headspace or something like that. Whereas um, you have obviously enjoyed, you know, a long and deep and rich and probably fulfilling relationship with your practice. And that's the result of sitting with someone like me for, four days in the same room, we can go back and forth answering questions and troubleshooting and workshopping different principles. And, and so that's what I'm the best at. That's what I'm world-class at. And I don't want to water it down by, by doing it on, on zoom. I'll just wait, you know, I, I, people have waited this long. They can wait another couple months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so interesting when I say that learning meditation changed my life. Not only did it change it from the, the standpoint that it is 1000% necessary every single day. I mean, th yes. since I started, I have been religious about meditating in the morning. That's not an issue for me. For a lot of years, I was having a hard time doing my second meditation because I wasn't prioritizing it with work and my schedule. But in the last couple of years, I really have. And now I get to the point where if I get to early afternoon and I haven't meditated, I almost feel like hungover, right? Mm. Just in a fog, but it really changed my life. Will you explain, you will do it better than I do. 
what happens in your life trajectory when you start meditating. I love the analogy you give about a plane taking off in turbulence. Yes, yes. So uh, that analogy comes from an anecdote that I got from a pilot once where he talked about, well, there's two, two aspects to it. Number one is you need a certain amount of momentum to get liftoff, right? So he was a pilot, I believe, of a Learjet. And he said, as long as you get to 90 miles an hour on the runway, it's going to take off. And if you don't get to 90 miles an hour, it doesn't matter how great your intentions are, it's not going to take off. And so I would use that, that metaphor to illustrate the importance of consistency, right? You have to do it every day. It's a consistency game. It's a practice-oriented practice, et cetera. But then the other aspect of, of planes is that they fly mostly off course and the pilot's job is to, is to bring it back onto course. And obviously turbulence is a big factor in that. And then that's just kind of a metaphor for, for life. You know, when we're out in the world, um, we, we encounter a lot of external forces. Uh, some people would call it stress or, you know, demands or pressure. And if we don't have the ability to come back to our, center our inner guidance or whatever you want to call it then that's what ends up equating to a bad day or you know a string of bad days is is can lead to a, a life that is unfulfilling and so it's no this whole idea of enlightenment you know there's no one who's floating on clouds out there it's just enlightenment is really your ability to, to be your most authentic self in the midst of all of those external forces, right? And when you're able to listen to your heart, the big misconception about that is that your heart's going to guide you somewhere that's going to make you comfortable and maybe wealthy and, and noteworthy and all of these things. But really, the heart is really guiding you to places that stretch you and allow you to grow and allow you to trust in your inner guidance even more. And so you need those internal devices to kind of help you stay centered so that you can continue taking the next step and the next step and the next step. Cause there's no roadmap for any of us, right? If we're following our heart, if we're living our purpose. And I write about this a lot, especially in, um, in those daily doses that turn into my book, uh, knowing where to look, uh, the importance of trusting your heart, following your, your inner guidance, your intuition, and, and not worrying about trying to see the whole staircase, just focusing on whatever the next step is, because it's going to challenge convention. All the anything that is conventional about the way you see life, following your heart is going to challenge that. And all of your supporters and your family and your friends are going to say, Are you crazy? You lost your mind. What are you doing? You're not thinking this through all the way. And it's true, you're not thinking it through all the way because. You can't think it through and follow your heart at the same time. You have to do one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like when you go to those like adult gym classes or those, you know, trampoline classes or whatever, you can't think about it. You just have to leap. You have to leap. You have to kind of trust it. You have to, you understand the principles of it, right? Obviously, but you're, you're not an- analyzing it while you're doing it. The moment you start getting in your head, that's when you start getting clumsy and tripping up and, and, and hurting yourself. So the mechanics for taking the leap are already built inside of us. And our job is just putting ourselves in proximity to it and then, and then trusting it. 
how do you, how do you get to the point of trust that it doesn't feel exhausting? Because I know that transition and not knowing or not knowing where the next paycheck or the next roof over your head is going to come can always be exhausting to me, but you led from that point of, I'll say, trusting the process or following your heart for a long time in a lot of ways. How do you get to the point? I mean, is it just a muscle? You start feeling more confident in it? Interesting you say that because that takes us back to my first book, which is called The Inner Gym. Yeah. A 30-day workout for strengthening happiness. And it's literally small, little, bite-sized, baby step exercises, inner exercises to practice because the, the hypothesis is, look, it's not easy, right? Just like if you were going to walk into the, the gym, you've never been inside of a gym and you're going to do the same workout as, you know, Mr. Mr. Olympian or somebody like that, it's, you're going to be probably you're going to be dead at the end of that workout. So you have to start off small and and make it manageable. And so I would say to anyone who, who wants to be able to take more leaps and follow their heart more, I would say to them to start doing it with little tiny little things, right? Because we all get urges and hunches all the time. And one may be to say hi to the person next to us in the elevator. You know, we've all gotten that urge, but we mostly ignore it because I'm going to look weird and this is there and, you know, they're probably busy and I'm in my head and what are they going to think? But we start talking ourselves out of these little moments, right? Or take, go left instead of right when you're walking somewhere and you're at a crossroads, like those little moments, right? Go and ask for her or his number and say, Hey, let's go out for coffee or whatever, whatever the thing is that's inside of you follow that as much as you can. Now, you're not always going to get it right. You're going to get it wrong a lot because there are other voices in addition to your internal and guide, internal guidance. you got your trauma body and that's speaking to you and your pain body and your old stress triggers from mommy and daddy not getting along. All of those voices are in there, but you have to discern which one is your inner guidance. And after you follow, you know, if you start following those voices and small things, you may get 40% of it wrong, but 60% of it, you'll get right. And just through having the own, your own experience, because no one can tell you what's your inner guidance and what's not, but through having your own experiences, you'll start to see, Hmm, there's a, there's a unique quality to that voice that keeps pushing me in the direction of, of doing things that are going to, stretch me. And there's another voice that's telling me to do things that are vindictive or things that make me more comfortable or things that make me feel good in the short term, but bad in the long term. Right. Right. And so then you start to discern, okay, well, those are the voices of my, my stress or my pain body or whatever, telling me to go and get drunk or go and get high or go and eat all these things that are not good for me. don't make me feel great later on. And then there's this other voice telling me to do things that are making me feel empowered and that are making me feel bold in action. And that are making me stand up for, you know, for causes that I believe in. And there, I don't want to do those either, but when I do it, I just, there's, I feel more expansive as opposed to feeling sort of contracted. Right. So, so after having, you know, maybe a 500 
of experiences with those various voices, you start to see, okay, that's the one I want to start listening to more and more. And then you just start to follow it. And that's the same thing that happened with me. Like I didn't, I wasn't born with some innate ability to discern what my inner guidance sounds like. You just have to follow it. And so by the time you get to the point where you're just living out of one single backpack, people think, people think it's a big deal, but it's really not that big of a deal because you've worked up to it, right? Just like, again, the Mr. Mr. Olympian example, lifting, bench pressing 500 pounds is to an average person would, would be completely uh, impossible. But to that person who's been training and working their way up, it's not, it's just another, it's Tuesday. That's all it is. Right. So I'm excited to deep dive on this. I mean, it's been such a gift over the last four or five years that you've been sending out these daily dose emails. I remember we had lunch at like the Soho house, right when you were starting to do them. And now you've um, compiled them into your new book, Knowing Where to Look, 108 um, of the daily doses. Why 108? You know, I didn't want it to be like a, a 365 thing um, because I didn't want people thinking that it needed to be experienced linearly. I wanted it to be like, and you guys look like you probably maybe mature enough to remember those magic eight ball, those black magic eight ball things with the, with the indigo liquid inside. And it would give you a message to your, an answer to your question. I wanted it to have that kind of feel where you could just kind of flip it open to any page and it can give you some insider perspective. And I tell people, it doesn't give you the answer. It just, it just taps you on the shoulder and says, look, at, look over here. And it's like, oh, there's the answer over here in my own space, in my own life, right? So it's just kind of prompting you to look inside or look in different directions so that you can find the answer. Because a lot of the time we think we don't have the answer but the answer is right around us somewhere if we know where to look for it. But we, again, in the conventional sort of worldview, which is what we're indoctrinated into, all of us, you know, going through life as Americans or Westerners or whatever, uh, that, that conventional worldview, that, that happiness is, is, is just, just over the, the hill in the next relationship, in the next uh, raise in selling your company and starting a company and whatever the thing is, knowledge, kids, whatever the thing is, that's where happiness is. That's where fulfillment is. And so I just need to, so that's where we're mostly focused. That success oriented, acquisitive approach to happiness, not realizing happiness. We're actually, you know, it's like when you're on your phone and you're looking for your phone, has everyone ever had that experience where <laughs> you were looking for your phone while you're on, like, where's this goddamn phone? And then you realize you're on your phone. That's yeah. what happiness is like for us, right? We're walking around with it, looking for it. And so you kind of feel a little silly when you finally realize, oh, it's been in me all along. And so my job is just to kind of help nudge people to look where, where it's residing. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's the idea. And then 108, obviously, is an auspicious number in, in the sort of Eastern mystical uh, traditions and... So I just, you know, it's, it's, it was better than just saying daily doses. So I just said 108. Yeah, <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> Cause um, I have thousands of them, as you know, yeah. you know, like. Well, and I, I want to hear more about 
your experience with content, because you and I have talked about it a little bit, but I also have been an observer and it showed up in your daily doses. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your philosophy kind of on just getting started, right? And commitment. You talk about that in your daily doses a lot. I know it took a really big commitment to start doing these emails, which spiraled off into weekly or magazines or the podcast. And also, um, I would love to hear about your philosophy on experimenting, because I don't know this for sure, but it feels like you're willing to try things and release things and they don't have to be perfect, right? Like, let's experiment. That's not saying that your stuff isn't perfect. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I think that there are other people that just want to focus on the book for five years or something. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like you've um, just been more experimental. So we talk about a little bit more about your content strategy or philosophy or just your philosophy as a creator. Yeah, sure. So, look, when I was 29 years old, I'd be 48 um, next month. When I was 29 years old, so that's almost 19 years ago, I remember standing in my kitchen in Harlem, New York, which was where I was living at the time. And I just had a string of experiences where I um, ignored my inner guidance. And I said to myself, from here on out, I'm going to follow my inner guidance. I'm going to follow my heart relentlessly. I don't care what it tells me to do. And shortly after that, it said, move to Los Angeles. And so I moved to Los Angeles and I sold all my stuff. It was, it was kind of like a nomadic sort of existence for a while. Um, then it said, okay, go and learn how to teach yoga. And this is in 2002. So I did that. And then a couple of years later, it said, change your name to light. And I did that. And so I've been making a habit of doing this. Right. And, and I, I would attribute I, I was doing that before I started meditating with consistency, but meditation just made the voice even clearer, even stronger, even louder, right? So that was the voice that said, start the shine movement in 2014 and in 2016, um, it's time to start writing these daily emails. So I don't take authorship of any of it. I'm just the, I'm just the transcriber of whatever that guidance is coming through, but I'm really clear about the fact that my life is, is about service. And I, and I would even go so far as to say that your lives are about service as well. You may or may not know it yet, but when we talk about, again, following our purpose and our passion, it's usually service oriented. It's not about When we talk about purpose and passion, it's usually service oriented. It's not about, again, you know, getting wealthy and all the things that society has conditioned us to believe. So the quicker we can get to that place with ourselves, then we can start to hear and, and decipher more of what the authentic voice is, because it's going to tell you to do your equivalent of something like that that's going to challenge you and push you and whatnot and whatnot. So I just, you know, I, I, I postponed, I delayed as much as I could with, with getting on with doing what my voice was telling me to do. And it kept insisting that you have to write this 
this daily email. And I said, well, I'm going to run out of content after three weeks. And then, and then I'm going to be, you know, pulling my hair out. I already don't have any hair left to pull out. And it said, don't worry about it. Just start, just start. Okay. And there's a beautiful, actually there's, I'll tell you a story, an anecdote that's in the book. It's one of my favorites. Um, it's an antidote from the Bible. It's about Moses. And uh, so the story of Moses, uh, I, I'm not a big, you know, Bible scholar or anything like that, but I'm familiar a little bit with, you know, Moses goes up in burning bush and hears the voice of God. And God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and instruct Pharaoh, direct Pharaoh to let his people go, Moses' people go, right? And, uh, and so basically Pharaoh has enslaved these, these people, uh, the Israelites. And Moses, when he heard this directive from the burning bush, <laughs> that he wasn't even sure if it was God. or It's just a burning bush. It was a self-effulgent bush. And what scholars have discovered recently is that Moses had a speech impediment. So Moses stuttered. He was a stutterer, right? And he's getting a directive from God to go to the most dangerous man in the land and demand that he let his property go, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> so that's the reason why Moses was so hesitant, right? He, he's like, ah, what? Me? You want me? He said, I think you got the wrong person. And God said, no, I have, I have exactly the person I need for this job. And then Moses, once he kind of got his head around this idea of, of putting himself in this incredibly dangerous situation, right? Personally dangerous situation. He asked the most sensible question that any one of us would ask as a follow-up to that request, which is, suppose I got in front of Pharaoh, right? Even though that's like the most unrealistic thing ever, but let's just say it happened. What am I supposed to say to him exactly? And God said, don't worry about that. You'll know when, just get in front of him and then you'll know what to say. <laughs> and the rest is history. Right. And that's, out. <laughs> that, but that that's within that story are the, all the mechanics you need to know about the leap of faith. Right. Because naturally we want to know everything. We want to know how it's going to turn out. What am I going to say? How, where am I going to get all the content from to write these daily doses? And the message is just start, write the first one and send it out. And then you'll get the rest of the information at that point. Cause you can't, you, even if I gave it to you right now, you wouldn't really process it properly if you haven't already invested into the path. And that's what Moses had to do. He had to put some skin in, skin in the game. He had to invest himself in the path. And then, you know, he could plug into that channel and, and he, could, he could find the words to say that were going to be the most effective. And he ended up even being even bolder than he imagined and threatening Pharaoh with all kinds of omens if he didn't do what he told him to do and, you know, the staff and all these things. And it's a it's a great story, 
But again, it's it's something that we can all we all are basically confronted with every day. Every everyone on this call is facing something in their life right now that you're on the fence about. You're like, should I go left or should I go right? Right? Should I do go up or down? What what do I do about this situation? Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's some other thing you're dealing with, and society has conditioned us to contract and do the safe thing. And you talk to your friends, particularly your friends who haven't taken a lot of risks in their life, they're going to, I can already save you the time. They're going to tell you to do the safe thing because that's all they can tell you to do because they haven't put themselves in front of Pharaoh. Only someone who puts themselves in front of Pharaoh is going to tell you to take the leap of faith because they know that you really don't even have a choice in the matter. Right. You can you can fool yourself into thinking that you don't have to do it and you're going to just forget about it. But guess what? You're not. You're not going to forget about it. It's going to start disturbing your sleep. It's going to start disturbing your health and all of those things. And eventually you're going to have to come back to it. So you may as well just do it now. (laughs) Just do it now. So you can see the 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 fearlessness that comes from that leap. And then that allows you to take the next leap a little bit easier and the next one a little bit easier like that. So that's my content creation plan. (laughs) It's just don't question it. Just do it. Just take the next step. And, you know, for me, a lot of times it involves some level of consistency um, daily and all that. And it's a lot. But, you know, that's my that's my that's my health insurance. Writing my daily dose is my health insurance. Yeah. So that's how I see it. That's so great. Who knew that I needed to hear that today? But I definitely did. Pharaoh, here we come. And uh, there's so often that I get an email from you in the morning that says, thank you. This is exactly uh, what I needed to hear today. I'll just just fire it back. Before we go to the Q&A and um, talk to some of the people who have studied with you in the past, uh, I have have another question. So um, knowing where to look is a collection of stories, essays, and exercises to spark creative instincts activate your inner guidance and enliven your dreams. You've talked a lot about inner guidance and that is one of my favorite subjects because I always call it intuition, right? And I'm curious what your take is on serendipity, right? Um, Because that's kind of, it's, it's a combination of maybe a sign meets your intuition. What are your thoughts? Uh, so my thought is that all that's ever happening is serendipitous. And if we, if we don't listen to it, then, then we rarely see it or feel it. And when you listen to it more, when you listen to your heart more, then you, you end up having more and more of those serendipitous moments. And then again, it becomes really obvious that, oh, you know, of course I thought about or I got a message to go to CVS and then I ran into this person that introduced me to that person. And now I have this speaking opportunity or, you know, whatever that that's how all of my, my uh, so-called achievements have all played out is through listening to something and here, making a move that seemed like a very uh, insignificant throwaway moment, but actually it was, it ended up being a pivotal to my journey. 
you know, and, uh, and I, again, I'm not unique in this. I, mm-hmm. I think this is what's happening with all of us. If we have the courage to trust in our, in our path, right? People think where well, I can't find my path or you're on your path. You're not even, you've never been off your path. You just have yeah. to start trusting it more. That's all. That's the only difference. Yeah. Trust it. I, I love, I love leaning into all of that. I had a funny thing happen last year because, um, I definitely am the person that'll wake up, think of two people and I'll have not talked to them for six months. And one will have a text on my phone and I'll go to the mailbox box and I'll have a letter in the mail from the other person. Right. That mm-hmm. happens all the time. And last year that I had a goal or something I was working on and going after, and I had all the serendipities, right? You know, it's like I was running into people, I was getting this, there was this message there matched with, this was on my vision board and then it didn't happen. And I was so, I felt robbed. I felt, I felt disappointed. It shook my trust and, uh, you know, I probably felt entitled and it was so funny. I was talking to one of my friends about it and their response was, well, you are not God. <laughs> and I kind of needed to hear that. And, uh, <laughs> and then the second thing they said was maybe the serendipities aren't necessarily confirmation that it's going to happen, but it's confirmation that God is listening or the universe is listening. Right. And I, I thought that was interesting. So I just try like to talk about it because the serendipities can be really freaky, right? Like when you're on a journey and it seems, I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. It's all bigger than any of us can really wrap our heads around. Yeah. You know, this, I think this is what can give meditation uh, utility as well, because we talked about this in your training, but it's good to always be reminded that meditation itself and anyone who on this call who's meditated before uh, you know, that there's a lot of, noise and chaos and whatnot in the mind and that's what makes meditation challenging for most people like the majority of people and that's essentially a simulation of life right in that we don't get what we want you don't sit down and close your eyes and your mind falls quiet right away even though you may understand the mechanics of how the mind works in relationship to meditation, which is what I teach people in my, in my trainings and whatnot. But I also caveat that with, it's not going to happen every time. And the reason it's not happening every single time is because you may have a backlog of stress that your body is releasing. And when the body's releasing stress, it makes the mind feel more and more chaotic. And so that simulation is prepping you really to trust the process of life. Yeah. You can trust the process internally and you see everything works out. Then you can take that without trying to sort of white knuckle your way through these, these situations, you know, think about it. It's not possible to do something every day for nine years and not have it translate over to, Oh, okay, well, this is not going my way, even though I, that's not my preference, but guess what? I'm happy to surrender my preference for now because I trust that that something bigger and even better is coming my way as a result of this road, this so this seemingly, you know, a roadblock that I'm confronted with right now. Like this is gonna help me in my path. And that's that's the way that I, I recommend that people start to see those moments where you feel like your manifestation powers are so strong until you get hit with something that <laughs> that blindsides you. 
and uh, and you start questioning your abilities or questioning, you know, if 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 you were manifesting at all the whole time or whatever. It just look, it's it's not necessary to have to figure figure it all out and figure out what is the one reason. It's happening for all reasons, every single conceivable reason why you're having that experience, mostly because you need to have the experience in order to expand and grow for your path, your path. That means that something there's a dragon coming up (laughs) around the bend that you can't see right now. And you've got to learn how to fight dragons. And the dragon right now looks like your boss or your spouse with who's narcissistic, whatever. But once you move through that and you learn how to protect your boundaries and you learn how to speak your truth and do all those things you probably don't want to have to do right now, once you get around the bend and you see the major dragon, right? Now you are the leader. Everyone's looking at you because you you know how to confront those kinds of situations, which you would not have known had you not had to go through the string of bad relationships or whatever. So that's kind of how I look at that. Okay, I promised I was going to take some questions or I would love to hear from some people on um, their experience meditating. This, the the idea of... um you know, taking a risk, taking that leap of faith is, um, you know, even something as simple, as simple as just because, you know, I was doing stuff around the house. I was like, oh, let me get on this thing. Something as simple as, well, just turn your video on. You know what? Like show up, you know, like that's that just this thing of um, stepping out of fear, stepping, being courageous. And I feel like all of the stuff that you, um, especially your podcast, your podcast where these, where people come on and talk about um, just jumping and doing, um, not necessarily knowing all the things that are gonna lead them to that path or all having all the safety nets there. Um, I guess I just, there's not really a question in particular right now, but just some, just, just to say, thank you. Um, I'm so um, happy to meet you and just so grateful for it all. The podcast, the, the daily doses, I've already pre-ordered knowing where to look, you know, all of those things. So just um, <laughs> thank you. And it's so important, um, I have to say, seeing because I discovered you through um, Emily Fletcher at Ziva Meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, who is this guy? And <laughs> seeing um, somebody um, that looks like me, you know, in these wellness spaces is so important. And um, I just am very grateful. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. I really do. Thanks for supporting all of the things I'm putting out there. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is a great way to wrap it up. Light, your book is coming. Oh, Danny's, Danny, wait, wait, wait. Danny's video just came on. Do you want to Uh-oh. say something, Danny? I just had a, yeah, I wanted to ask a question. Um, so it's it's been, it's interesting because I just literally this week started back my meditation practice and I haven't done it in a really long time. And then I saw your, <laughs> hey, look at what we're doing at Idea Fountain. I was like, okay, well, I got to go. Um, but my question is, is, uh, so I know a lot of people who do different amounts of time when they're, you know, for meditation, some are doing like they're doing 10 minutes, you know, in the morning. And there are people who are like an hour. Um, is there, do you have, is there a right and wrong? I don't know. Or is there 
a better way uh, or a certain amount of time that we should at least invest in as far as meditation? Do you have any um, guidance in that? I would say, um, you know, just the short answer is, is 10 or 15 minutes. The slightly longer answer is I would highly recommend um, grabbing a copy of my second book, which is Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying. And that'll give you the whole roadmap. So you don't, you don't have to use any guesswork at all. It's the book I wish I had when I was struggling with meditation for three or four years before I met my teacher. So I would say grab a copy of that book if you want to get lift off in your practice. But yeah, the short answer is 10 or 15 minutes minimum. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks, Danny. And, and like, I just want to echo what Amos said. Uh, oh, 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 wait, sorry. One more time. The videos come on and I can't not acknowledge them because we've got a double <laughs> dose here. We have Co and Beata in one car. I'm thinking, uh, ladies, you want to get your voice in the room? Uh, I just turned my video on just because I wanted to see everybody and say hi. And thank you. And I just wanted to second everything. Thank you for everything. Because I don't know. I hope you realize that, especially like the, the daily doses and just whether it's your books, it's like the stuff that you send literally hits. And I, and I bet you everybody's the same way in this room. It literally hits you at the moment when you need exactly whatever it is that you're writing at that moment and you're going through something and you need that something, I open your email or open something or I come across your Instagram and I was just like, yep, that's exactly what I needed right then and there. So just thank you for that. And that's it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like I'm writing to myself a lot of times. It's what I need to hear as well. Oh, no, you're not. You sure are not. There are times that I literally wake up about to like, or I'm dealing with something at work or something happened. And I just start going through my emails and I pop open your email. And I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. Okay, keep it moving. So. <laughs> All right. So um, we're rounding it out with another thank you. Make sure to follow Light at Light Watkins. You can sign up for his emails. You can get his new book coming out on May 25th. Anything else you want people to know? Um, keep taking your le le leaps of faith and following your heart. <laughs> That's what the world needs more of. It's just us regular people out there doing that. That's the truth. All right. We're on it. Thanks, Light. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with the idea. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. What a blessing. Have yeah, a good weekend. so much. Thanks. All right, bye. Thank Happy you. birthday, Julie. Happy Thank birthday. You. Happy birthday or early birthday. <laughs> we'll keep celebrating. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you. All right. Thank you. See you guys. Loved it. Bye. Thanks again for joining another episode of the Idea Fountain. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by going to juliepilot.co. That's J-U-L-I-E-P-I-L-A-T.co and you'll get invited to the next live taping. You can get Light Watkins' new book, Knowing Where to Look, 108 Daily Doses of Inspiration this week, and even pre-order it today.